You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, We finished what I was going through in the book of John last week. So we covered the first half of the book of John uh, very expediently in about like 18 weeks. Uh, We got through 11 chapters. It's a pretty good pace for me, I'm not going to lie. Um, and now we're going we're gonna to be jumping over to the book of Ecclesiastes, but we're not going to be there today. If you have your bulletin today, um, your bulletin lies, okay? That's my fault. Uh, I was pretty convinced I was going to be preaching on Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 11, or whatever it says in your bulletin. Um, and then a couple of people brought uh, a concern to me over the course of the second half of my work week. Uh, and rarely do I feel the need to... Uh, respond directly to, to, to things out there. Usually I can handle uh, just individual people as they have questions or concerns or things that they've seen out there. Um, and in this case, though, uh, there was a local publication uh, that published something that was, uh, in my opinion, dangerously deceptive uh, in regards to the faith. And so I want to deal uh, with that today as it dealt with the issue of God's love. Um, and the article, uh, which was... Uh, heavily plagiarized or non-sourced, depending on your perspective uh, that I'm responding to, uh, really uh, does a disservice to the love of God. And the way the article perceives the love of God uh, basically is that God's love for mankind differs depending on who they are. Um, And today I want to deal with what God's love is uh, as we understand it and as God has shown it to us in his word. And so we're going to be in the book of 1 John, and then we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians for a little while today as well. 1 John chapter 4 uh, is where we're going to begin our little path. And this is just a quick hitter verse, and so we won't be there long, um, but I'm going to acclimate you to, to, to uh, who God is and the love of God. Um, so if you're looking for 1 John, it is way back in your Bible. I mean, it is like at the end, right? There's not much after it. You get to the book of Revelation, turn back a couple pages, you're going to find um, the Johns. Um, but 1 John chapter 4 is a letter written by, by John, um, and he's writing um, to, to, to defend the faith and to encourage believers. And this is what he says in chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 8. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is Love. This is a very, very simple statement, but, but what it does is it gives us a definition for who God is. You know, a lot of times when I'm between sermon series, um, I like to give you a name of God, a title for God that is used, because I find that the titles of God that's used throughout Scripture give us a glimpse of who God is. Right? They give us a, 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 just a facet, like a diamond. You see one facet of who God is when you look at him from that perspective. So whether he's healer or whether he's, uh, you know, the, the Lord of Banners, you know, or, 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 the, or Messiah, right? Whatever the, the, the name is that God has gives us a different perspective on who God is. You know, no one name can fully capture the totality of who and what God is. But in this case, um, in 1 John, um, John says God is love. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a way to describe God. It's also a, a title that can be ascribed to God. In fact, our love, the way we experience love in the world, is a shadowy representation of God's divine love that was revealed to us in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that is what love looks like 
When we say, oh, the way we love our children is a shadowy representation of God's perfect love. You know, in um, the Sermon on the Mount, I was dealing with this in my small group, week four or something like that. There's a section about ask and receive, right? Um, and, you know, he says, whatever you ask, you know, God, God will give you. It's kind of a troubling passage in some ways. But the thing that's true that really stands out as you look at that is that, that there's a comparison between God the Father and a human father. And, you know, if the human father was a child would say, hey, can I have a fish? Uh, an earthly father is good enough not to trick his son and give him a serpent instead, right? And if we as sinful earthly fathers can love like that, how much more will our Father in heaven who loves perfectly give us good gifts? God is love. This is important for you to understand because God can't not be love. That doesn't mean that God can't be angry. It doesn't mean that God can't be judged. It doesn't mean that God can't uh, punish or, or, or stand above sin in some way. It just means no matter what God is doing, he has to be love. That's part of who he is. It's a definitional characteristic of God. And so when the sinner chooses to reject Jesus Christ and they live their whole life in rebellion to Jesus Christ and judgment comes for them at the end of their lives, God executes judgment on them, but it's not a lack of love that God is showing in that moment. It is justice to them as God loved them. Think of it as a parent. I have a, a handful of children, and all of my children have been at that point in their lives disciplined by me, even though I still love them, right? God can love and discipline, just like you, if you've ever been a parent, could love and discipline. Or if you were ever a child, which I believe most of us were children once upon a time, uh, you were loved and disciplined by your parents. I hope you were loved and disciplined by your parents along the way. But God is indeed love. It's a definitional characteristic of who he is. And so let's look a little bit more about what love is. And to do that, we'll go to the most expansive passage that deals with love in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often used in weddings, right? It's a very popular wedding passage in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, 1 Corinthians is back, several pages, uh, book of Paul, letter from Paul, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. It's the first of the two Corinthians, all right? So it's, it's about, I don't know, you can find it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, so God is love. So now we want to ask ourselves, well, if God is love, what does God's love look like? And what God's love looks like is this. In verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, 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 Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body even to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This love that, that, that is beginning to be described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is this perfect divine love. We struggle with this sort of love, this sacrificial love, this love, um, but it's over works, right? What, what God is as a loving God is more than what he does. It's just who he is, how he acts. And so there's these good deeds that are mentioned at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, right? No one would say, 
um, that, 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 that uh, you know, speaking in the tongues of men and angels. And the idea here is like having a prophetic word from God that can communicate to people is a bad thing. Prophetic powers, right? Understanding all the mysteries, having great knowledge, that's a good thing, right? Having faith to move mountains is a good thing. Even being willing to sacrifice your life or, or to give everything you have away um, for other people, that's a good self-giving thing. But all of those things, if they're motivated by something other than love, are deficient, right? And that's kind of hard for me to hear. It's hard for me to understand. Like, like, I can do all of the right things, but if my motivation is wrong, right, then, then, then I'm struggling with love, and it's, it's, it's empty, right? And the, and the way he describes it, like, it, it's just an empty, it, I gain nothing. Right, and I'm reminded of the story uh, of a child who is uh, uh, sent to time out. And I have a two-year-old who can be belligerent at times. He's a wonderful kid, um, but he is every bit of two years old, right? Uh, and so sometimes we'll say, hey, you have to go to time out because we're mean like that. Um, we were taught to do time in, right? But he has a lot of that. So we did time out. Uh, that's a free gift for all of our adoptive people in the world out there. We go to time out. He goes stand in the corner. And, and he, he used to be great at it. Be like, uh, Ezekiel, you need to go to timeout. And then he would just hang his head, and he would walk over and just stand there. And I felt like a winner. It's like, I am winning at parenting. He's, he's obedient. And then, like, it hit, right? Like, this idea of, like, hey, you need to go to timeout. And he's like, no. And you're like, what? Right? And then all of a sudden, you're arguing with a two-year-old, which is never a winning game, right? Uh, like, no, I'm not going to go to timeout. And then you're like, physically picking him up and taking him and dropping him over there and upsetting him lovingly. Is that better, baby? My wife is giving me looks. Um, right? Lovingly setting him in time out and saying, there you go, son, right? You stay right there. Right? And so he, he goes and he has to sit in time out for a season. And sometimes he'll scream and yell. But I, I've heard a story about a little girl. She was sent to time out. Um, and, and her parents said, you know, you need to, you need to sit there. And, and she said, no, I'm going to stand. And she said, no, you need to sit there. She said, no, I'm going to stand. And they said, you're going to sit there or you're whatever, like the, whatever the punishment would be, you're, you know, I'm going to tan your hide or you're going to lose whatever, whatever the extra punishment was going to be beyond time out. And the little girl sat down and she said, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside, right? Like, and, and, and the idea, like, is your motivation matters, right? Like, you might be able to get obedience, but, but, but if the motivation isn't right, it matters. In the case of good deeds and good works, why you do it matters, Right? And the reason that God responds lovingly to people, the reason God that, that I can say unapologetically that God loves the entire world is because every action God has ever done is, is filtered through the love that God has for you. He loves you tremendously. And while you may be wayward and you may be wandering, and in fact there are people who will never respond favorably to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tragic. Like uh, it's a tragedy that there are people who will never respond favorably to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's interaction with them, though, their entire life is an interaction of a father who loves his wayward child. And if you've ever been the wayward child and had the father who perse persevered after you, seeking to love you as you were wayward, you can understand that if you've ever had the wayward child, right, if you've ever had to walk your children through difficult seasons, you can understand that as well. You need to understand that a life without love ultimately is no life at all, which makes sense because God is not just love like he is life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so, so your life, if you're living your life without love, your life is empty. In fact, we're supposed to model the love of God with our actions to the world around us. 
So I want to encourage you today, church, be, be people who act well, but your motivation is not acclaim or praise or some status. It's just simply the love that God has placed in your heart for fellow travelers on this earth. You know, the idea of, uh, of sympathy, empathy, uh, I struggle sometimes with the, the, the difference there because it became a huge deal recently. Like, oh, you're not supposed to be empathetic. I was like, I don't understand why not, whatever, right? Uh, the idea of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and recognize, like, if it wasn't for God's grace in your life, you could be found in that same spot, right? And I see a lot of tragedy in the world. I know you do as well. And sometimes it's easy for us to point ourselves out and be like, I would never, I would never do that but 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 really like but for god's like constant grace in your life you you could be that that cautionary story on the news somewhere that that could be you i go we, we think no i could never i would never i would never would i do that that's what peter felt right like never would i deny you lord and eight hours later right like i don't know that guy i've never seen him before in my life Right. But for the grace of God, you would be that person. So live your life with love as you examine other people's lives. Serve them with love because a life without love is ultimately meaningless. God is a God of love and he loves you very, very purposefully. And then we continue on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says in verse 4 that love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. I'll stop there at verse 8. But, but guys, I, I, as, I, as I picture this concept of love, I recognize very quickly how like bad my version of love is. Right? Like this love, this is divine, perfect love. My love, even the best parts of my love, my love for my wife or my love for my children or for my parents, when I compare it against this here, I'm like, whoo, man, sometimes I'm just, just a son of a gun, right? I am just not that great. And the idea is like, like this love that's defined in 1 Corinthians 13, the reason that you struggle with it is because you're not divine. And so you're always going to struggle with it. You're always going to have issues with it because you can't do it perfectly but we still strive to do that we strive to reflect god's love and the world around us today because you know this this love as it's defined is so so high right it's patient and kind it doesn't like, and, I, and i look and like i can be patient at times i can be kind at times right and I can be, be non-boastful or arrogant, rarely, but I can do it sometimes, right? I can, I can do that sometimes. I, and as it goes through, I'm like, I, yeah, sometimes I'm that and that. The truth is, like, I, I struggle with it all. And the reason is because I'm not God. But God is this love. His love is always patient with you. The reason that God, like, I, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, Lord, the world is so jacked up like the things going on around us right now like i'm like what are you doing like i'm ready for like sword in the mouth jesus right to come and just start like judgment like let's start revelations chapter four and let's just let's let's do this thing because it is rough out there 
And then I think, like, God, God's choosing not to do that right now because he loves wayward sinners. Right? And the Bible says that, that, that he refrains from judgment for a season. Right? He pushes back this great day of the Lord for a season because he loves those who aren't yet found. God loves the world. Right? John 3, 16, right? God so loves the world. He loves the world so much. And his love is this perfect love. And he is patient. He's kind with the sinner. You know, there's a lot of people. I, I, I'm going I'm I'm to transition just briefly. We build systems to understand God. Right? In fact, I have textbooks called Systematic Theology Textbooks. And they're made for us to get our hands on who God is. And they all have weaknesses. Right? They all have weaknesses. And if we were to talk candidly, in fact, if you were to be a part of my small group, you would experience this at times, like we can fight with things inside of our systems, how we view God as we view Scripture. And sometimes at the end of it, we're like, well, I mean, it says this, so like we're going to have to do this, and it fits in my system like this, and so we have to like mash things together. And at the end, sometimes what we're left with is not the prettiest thing. Right? And we're like, that, I guess this is what it is, but it doesn't, even that doesn't feel quite right. And I want to say this. If your system of theology necessitates you saying that God doesn't love the world or requires you to add a bunch of uh, conditions to the statement that God loves sinners, right? Your system needs work. And you probably shouldn't be talking about your broken part of your system in public, right? Get in a small room with fellow believers and work your system out. Because what the world needs, what, what Rockdale, Texas needs, what Milam County needs, is to see the love of Jesus Christ displayed in the face of believers today. And what doesn't let people know about the love of God as seen in the face of Jesus is to tell them, well, God loves people sort of, kind of, mostly, but not really, not you, not, not now. It's confusing, it's unnecessary, and it's stupid, right? And so keep that stuff. Like, and, and honestly, like guys, honest, if you have thought about God enough, you're going to come to some weird dead ends in your faith. And you're going to walk up to it, and you're going to be like, I guess this is what it is. And you may not even like what, 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 where you've come to. But when you come to that weird dead end that makes you say something, that's borderline blasphemous about the character of God, just like process inside of yourself. Or go talk to another believer in a small room. Don't plagiarize an article and publish it for people to consume. Because it's dangerous. And church, if you're here today and you're struggling with a God, and you think, man, maybe God doesn't really love me. And I read somewhere that says God doesn't truly love me. I want you to know God loves you. In every way that God can love someone, God loves you. When Jesus came to earth and lived the sinless life to die on the cross for the sins of the entire world, he did not do that because he lacked love. He did it because he saw value in you and said, you are worthy of my love and you're worthy of my sacrifice. And so he gave his life 
for you. You are cherished by the God of the universe. You are precious and special. And anything that tells you differently is wrong. That does not mean you're okay. Right? Just because God loves you doesn't make you and God good. Right? I have children who live in direct disobedience to me, and I love them tremendously, and I would die for them. But that does not mean that our relationship is good. Right? My relationship with them has some conditions to it, but my love for them is unconditional. And this is my love, my broken like human love is unconditionally given to them. It is unmerited favor that I give to my children. How much more will our Heavenly Father, who has matchless love and mercy, will he give to the sinner? And how grateful should we as Christians be that God has saw fit to show us that love? Once you know God loves you, once you know that God is love, and he loves you in the way um, that, 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 that is described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he doesn't just love you. He loves the people that you struggle with loving. He loves the people who have yet to come to faith. And he loves the people who will never come to faith. As much as it pains him, I'm sure, to love those who will never receive it, he still offers love generously. So if you're here today and you're struggling with the love of God, I want you to know... The thing that, 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 that irks you when you see someone say that God doesn't love all people, right? that's the Holy Spirit telling you, yes, that should irk you. I want you to know that God does love you. And it's not about what you've done. It's not about where you've been. It's not about how good you are. He just loves you. And that's good news. Because if you have to be good enough to merit God's love, you're never going to get it. I told the youth recently, you're kind of a dog poop brownie. You're not that great. Right? You may look like a brownie, but you've got a lot of stuff in you that's not great. God loves you anyways. And that should lead us to tell the world how great the love of our God is. Not to tell the world how conditional the love of our God is based on some sort of theological dead end that we've hit in our faith. It's shameful. It's wrong borderline blasphemous and it's 100% plagiarized all of which is troubling to your pastor guys I love y'all and I don't want y'all to fall into the ditches that are being cast around you I want you to stay true to what God has put before you he loves you tremendously and we are called to be salt and light in the world to display the love the divine love that God has given to us to those around us today it should motivate us to evangelize it should motivate us to pray so I want to ask you a question. Who are you praying for? That God might show his divine love to them, that they might respond in faith. And if the answer is, well, I don't really know, I'm not really, then I want you today, get a name, because we know lost people. Get a name, pray for them. That God's divine love would be manifest in their life, that they could respond in faith. Ideally, next week, I'll be in a, well, next week I won't, but in a couple weeks, I'll be starting Ecclesiastes. And we'll wander through that book together, and I won't have to preach a polemical sermon against poor theology in our neighborhood. But I want you to know that God loves you, loves the world. And you don't need to have any shame saying that, because he himself said it consistently 
throughout Scripture. And because God loves us, we love others. Let's love well this week. Let's love well today. Let me pray.